0: Your eyes and your ears are not deceiving you. The Serie A sit-down has taken over the Calcio Connection. I'm Frank Crivello. I'm going to introduce my co-host Richard Carmen first. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. I'm glad (laughs) we're finally taking over the show. It's about time we uh, stretch our limbs just a little bit. Is this show not deserving of the Larry Zabisco salute, though? Come on. There you go. Hey, There we go. are. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're covering for Alex Dono, who is on inter-Miami duty tonight. Uh, and we are honored uh, to be here. Yeah, I, I get it, too. And he can't even watch Big Wayne play. He's got COVID. So what's the point? <laughs> Does he really? I didn't even yeah, know that, to be honest. Yeah, like, he's out with COVID. He can't play tonight. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually curious. What time
1: does that game start? 8 30? Uh, I don't know. What a waste of time, man. We
2: don't have Rec League in our, uh, on our TV station. so.
0: The voice that you're hearing, you all know him. That's is Jerry Mancini. Ciao, Jerry. Ciao, guys. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure
1: being with the city. I sit down. How you guys doing tonight?
0: Richard, you first. My wife told me I got to let you guys talk more tonight.
2: Pretty good, pretty good because uh yeah, we're taking over another show. So, you know, just is our way to reach out our brand more, right? To call the Calcio Connection too. Here we go.
0: Feeling like, <laughs> feeling like, uh, feeling like Gordon Gecko getting in and t- doing hostile takeovers. Yeah. We're gonna take Calcio yeah. Connection and turn it into a parking lot. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah careful calcio pods, we're coming for you. <laughs> Who are we gonna pick off next? <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're doing good jerry it's uh it's been a great it's been a great week it's been uh you know it's 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 been nice to have the international break just to kind of you know detach a little bit get caught up on some other things at least you know for me work personally that sort of thing and um you know and and and, and watching italy just uh you know run the table uh you know throughout the international break which was fantastic so you know we'll kick off um uh, the Calcio Connection. I got to remember I keep saying Calcio Connection uh, with uh, uh, with talk about Italy and just maybe put a little bit of a postpartum on them. And what I want to talk to you gentlemen about is specific position areas. I was on Alex's radio program and told him, I said, I had questions that I wanted to get answered in some specific areas. And, uh, you know, let's start with probably the biggest one, which is the striker position. Now, uh, Andrea Bellotti got an Awful lot of run um, over both games. And he got it because Ciro Immobile wasn't available. Um, so let me ask you this question. I had a, I had a perspective on this, but I want to see what you guys have to say. And, Jerry, we'll start with you. Um, Andrea Bolotti, with his performances against uh, Poland uh, and against Bosnia and Herzegovina, scored a goal, drew a penalty, uh, generated some uh, scoring activities. Did he draw himself closer? uh to earning the starting role uh as uh as Italy's number 9 or did he benefit from the absence of Chiro Immobile where he could play a little bit more loose and that he didn't have as much to lose not worrying <laughs> about having to look to the bench in that 65th or 70th minute that Immobile might be there to take him out that's a good point actually and i i actually never
1: thought about that uh that scenario so I still think that it's immobile is to lose the position. Um, Bellotti has made a case that he can play up top in that number nine role. Um, I think that in the second game he looked much better against uh, Bosnia as as opposed to Poland. Um, he took a slow start in the game. He did earn a uh, a, a penalty, but I I don't know. I I find that Bellotti in spurts is. He looks very good, but then he just like disappears. You don't know where he is. He he's just not noticeable, and and not because I'm an uh, an immobile fan. That that is far from what it is. It's the fact that I think with immobile he can do more than just score, and I feel like he can really provide assists for he can contribute on goals, he can open up players. Uh I like his work ethic compared to Belotti. I think that he just he runs harder. He he's more physical. He's more dimensional. And I know the, the only problem is he, he plays in a 3 5 2 as, as opposed to a 4 3 3. But if if Mancini's not gonna change the the whole how you want to say it, um shape formation. The shape the shape formation I think it's Immobile that needs to adapt and, and figure a way out to 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 mold himself into this formation. Um, you, you've mentioned before, Francesco Caputo is a, is a good shout-out. He has really risen and become the the focal point as Swallow. That's a, a, a guy who can probably step in if he continues to have an impressive season this year. He, who knows? Maybe he takes over immobile and and Bellotti, but there's a lot of choices that Mancini has to uh, has to choose from. He can bring everybody, obviously. Um I think that at the end of the day we're we're gonna see Immobile there. Um you'll see Balotti. and I think the bigger question is, who's gonna be that number three? and And there's a lot of options that he can choose from for that number three, but I, I agree with you, Caputo does deserve to be there. Um, he just came off an impressive game. Against Bosnia, he, the the the, the so swallow duo with him in uh, Locatelli. So actually, no, I was Berardi. Sorry, I was Berardi and in uh, Locatelli. But that that's uh, that's a separate thing. But I just think that Caputo, he he can provide some But that that's my my outlook. I I just like the way Immobile is able to play. But at the same time, Belotti plays on a shit team and 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 is able to carry that team by himself. So whereas Immobile
0: does have a lot of help around him so there's 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 many ways you can look at it Richard uh did Belotti take a step forward in claiming the number 9 or was he lucky to benefit from Immobile not being there
2: what would a hostile takeover be without having a hostile reaction to the to the host of the team right uh to the host of the show I would say so uh I actually I disagree a lot with this you know uh, you know uh with with you know with respect of course um, you know the did Belotti take a step closer to taking over that position. Yeah, maybe uh, there's a two very important games for the Azzurri and uh, Obviously, he d- only oh, had I mean he didn't have immobile as an option, but you know He went with Belotti. and Belotti, I thought did well to you know earn a penalty get a goal uh, m- Get some opportunities m- be a distraction for the defense that caused you know, that helped the Azzurri get uh, uh upp- scoring opportunities, you know from both those games. So um, yeah, he helped he helped it for sure um, where I disagree is, uh, you know, I think Jerry and I maybe I misheard. He it. said uh, it's the Mobilia's position to lose. Um, I, I think I, I think it's really up in the air right now. I think it's it, Manchini doesn't really know who to go to. Um, he's trying to see all three guys. I think these are the three guys who are going to make it unless somebody comes along outside of these three and really is performing hot, kind of like we saw Luca Tony did in the past, and then and, and unseats one of these guys. Maybe that happens. Um, but I think at the moment, you know. If you're looking at pure strikers, best strikers, Immobile is the best striker. You know If you look at Serie a, I mean his numbers are just fantastic. He is an amazing striker. but the the, the correlation between Serie a and 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 the nationale or your national team doesn't always pan out. We've seen this many times before, and you know former Lazio player that you know very well, um, Klosa, he was never good in the league plays, but when he went to the, the Mannschaft, he was one of the best players, one of the best strikers in the world. And you could have a situation like this. Uh, you know, if we're talking about league play, Immobile, I would take him every time. But you know, you talk about Nazionale, and you're looking at best overall fits for Mancini's system. Uh, well, for me, best the best fit would probably be Caputo, just because he's been in that system for his whole career. But Belotti, he can score goals, and maybe not as quite as good or, or as, as often as Immobile, but he's he's more well-rounded as a striker. If you look at all the strikers in City, yeah, he's one of the more well strikers because he, he doesn't only play up top. He can play in the wings. He's got good size. Um, he does a lot. And you've seen him oftentimes drop into the middle, trying to be like that Trecartista almost, trying to set up the, start up the play. Because uh, like you said, to your point, he doesn't have that many uh, options on his team to help him. So he has to really carry the weight a little bit more. Uh, where, whereas Immobile just does his thing. And all he has to do is get in the right positions, which he does. He's, he's amazing at that. Uh, but I think, you know, at the moment for me, and this is just me, uh, if I if I were doing a pecking order based on you know how things have gone, I would say I, Belotti's probably gonna have to lead just slightly right now. Uh, but if it was me, I'd probably pick Caputo just slightly second. I mean, I would think I would like to see Caputo first, given his chance if he can do it, but he hasn't got that yet. So Belotti right now, then Caputo, then Immobile uh, in that order. Uh, and, all, and another reason why I'm I'm leaning towards that if you look at the statistics of you know during Mancini's reign about who started more and mostly between Immobile and Belotti. It's been Belotti more, and, and 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 important games you've rarely seen Immobile in those games, if if at all. Sometimes he didn't get to play in those games, so that's kind of a telling stat. It's not I don't know if he has a grudge against Immobile or what, or just maybe it's injuries or just timing, like COVID with this past past weekends. Uh, maybe that's it. I don't know, but uh, for me right now, I, I think those the past couple games are slightly you know towards the favor of Belotti, but. It's a still a long way to go, and anything can happen between now and you know, not only Euros,
0: but also the Nations League. So, Jerry Mancini, I had no idea you were the manager of the Italian national team. <laughs> I wish, man. <laughs> I think that was a uh, slip if he was Richard.
2: If he was, it would be like I said <laughs> if he was, would like...
0: immobile, it would be a It would be a hands down. <laughs> this wouldn't even be a, this wouldn't even be a debate. That's true. He'd uh-huh. figure out how to get Strakosha, an Italian passport to take over for Donnarumma. <laughs> He'd be putting. That I guess I should Louis clarify Albert. which Mancini. Right? I should clarify which Mancini. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Gianluca um, I, I, I think I think Bellotti edged ahead here. You know what I find fascinating when I look at a place like SofaScore. You know he get a like a seven point three rating against Poland despite having like one shot on target, and they just gave him a lot of credit for drawing the penalty against Poland. But he got a six point two against Bosnia and Herzegovina despite scoring, Uh, and a lot of it is because they're dinging him for you know he had two shots on target, four off target, but they they show that he missed four big chances. And yeah, Belotti could have probably had a hat trick in this game against Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, So. It's, uh, so it's fascinating to me with how they do that. But I think that re- here's what we really need from the nine in the Italian national team. We've got wide guys that can provide service and that can create. We've got fullbacks that can come forward and create. We've got midfielders that are that are very good play. There's playmakers all over the pitch in this Italian national team now. The nine just needs to score goals. The nine just needs to get in position and score goals. And, you know, the nine also just needs to specialize in a little bit of hold-up play. All right? So, mm-hmm. um, functionally... Belotti can do that. Functionally, immobile can do that. Functionally, Caputo can do that. You know, so whoever's
2: going to be the best to be able to do it at that time, I want someone who's going to be hot and do it consistently. Find those channels. I don't care who it is. I like all three guys, but whoever does it the best and often and consistently and puts those damn goals
0: in—that's what we want. And I'll I'll say that Belotti has edged ahead here, but I don't think that this is totally solved yet. Um, And 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 I say that just because and he benefit and I think he benefited from not have having, you know, immobile as possibly somebody that comes on in the 60th minute to take him out. So and when you don't have that pressure, when you know you're going to be the guy that is going to give you a little bit of freedom uh, when you're out there, you know, you're not going to, you know, play with that kind of tension. So, you know, I I think he's slightly ahead after these games just because of his, you know, his presence in these situations. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen him score a couple more goals. Uh, as he should have in the Bosnia and Herzegovina game because I think that that would we would be talking about him being even further ahead um, but you know missing a lot of those big chances and sofa score is probably more harsh about this kind of thing than anybody else um, they, that probably uh, you know has has still kept this a pretty close battle uh, you know for who starts at that center forward position so um, I want I want to add to that Frank jump in. I, yep. I
1: think I think the biggest thing here is not having the best striker possible, but having plenty of available good options when it yep. comes. to I think that's the biggest solution. Yeah. and and, and, it, and it, I think at the end of the day, yeah, we, we won't, everyone talks about Emobly not scoring enough, but at the end of the day, you want three solid options. and yep. and and up till now, scoring has been an issue. I, and I know that mm-hmm. there was a stat that they averaged three goals per game, but I'm, I don't know who it was they, they played against, but they ran the score up like 9-1 and 8 nothing. So take yeah. away those games, they're really averaging, what, a goal per game, a goal and a half a game probably. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, if you can start Belotti, who's starting to find good form recently, and you can call Immobile off the bench, or you can go vice versa in the next game and, and kind of like screw the tactics over and say, hey, we're going to start with Immobile or Caputo we can call A or B off the bench. I think that's the biggest solution here. I agree. And, and a lot of people are, are are too focused on, well, will Immobilist show up uh, come Euros? I think the, it's not about can Immobilist show up? Can all three show up? And we know that we have a good midfield, we have a good defense, but if we get that forward where we can rely on A and B, that's the biggest thing. Because I remember, what, it was it, 2012 where we we were so... So reliant on Balotelli that when Balotelli didn't do it, we didn't have a B option. Yeah. Now we, we have that possibly.
2: I mean, look at 2006. You know, you can bring on Del Piero in overtime and he goes and scores two goals. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is, I mean, this is kind of what you need. They need whoever comes yeah. on this, yeah, come up and score goals. Yeah. So it doesn't matter who it is. So, because when your number's called, do it. That's what we need.
0: I mean, you don't need more than a, I mean, with, with what's going on around the striker, you don't need more than a Toto Scilacci uh, you know, in this setup, a guy that's just gonna be on the end and poach goals. You know, you you or a people in Zagi for that matter, or even a Luca Tony. You know, and, and Tony was a you know, certainly bigger and more physical than those other two and you know, can specialize in the holdup play. Um, but you know, I mean, at this point you need, who, who, who can be the best poacher out of these guys, I think is, is really what you need with the setup that, and with the way Mancini's going especially when you look at the Euros, I mean, at least in those group games, Switzerland, Turkey, Wales, they should boss possession in all three of those games. So it's, you know, it's the striker for me right now that can poach the goals. And that's really what you're, that's what you're looking for. Uh, Belotti has a slight edge on the strength of his performances here over these last few games. You know there'll be more games to come yet, and we'll see how you know Immobile fits in once he's able to be, to be back and fully in the mix, and once Caputo's back and fully in the mix.
2: Hopefully, the, all three of them stay healthy though. You know, the last yeah. thing we want to see is someone get For injured, sure. and then then you really throws a lot of question marks. If they, all three stay healthy, and maybe someone else emerges, really
0: make it competitive. That would be like the best case scenario. All right, uh, next question. Um, this is one I'm uh, doing a victory lap on, and then Richard, you're doing a victory lap on as well. Um, has Italy solved the right side of this 4-3-3 with Domenico, Ber- Domenico Berardi? Should he permanently be in place there, Jerry?
1: Ooh. Um, you still got... Well, let's say Zaniolo comes back on time, and he's healthy to to play up on, on the right side. I, I still think that Zaniolo is the guy to go. It was his position to, to, to begin with. Um, he has that potential, that that lettuces into really oh
0: oh got too excited there man <laughs> I did. And I got excited. um you're a laziale talking about a roma player and you got excited yeah <laughs> let's let's come on now i i,
1: I like Zaniolo, and i don't get my roma hatred in the way let's be honest you mm. you gotta you can't be biased and Frick, I
2: wish he played for Lazio, I'll be honest. We I, like I, Barella, and he plays for Inter, I mean. You know. love. I love Barella. I, think. I love, I love Barella. Barella, what a player, but uh,
0: yeah.
1: It's a whole other topic, but I just think that Zignolo is very athletic, he's very creative, dynamic, Um, he he really flourishes outside. But um, Baradi, Bra- Bra- I feel like he's very, he'll benefit with Italy when Locatelli plays, I and we saw that against Bosnia, where the the two were really linking up uh, on, a many occasion, on on several occasions, and I think that's that's a benefit. if You bring both, you, you got like the Cesaro dynamic duel, and they can link up together. But it, it was it was Zagnolo's to start with, and, and I would give it back to him in, in the case that he came back healthy on time. I think that Barardi is the number two person. I don't like. Um, What's his name? Uh, Arcelini, out of the question. I think he, he'll have ready. to. He's not ready. He's not ready. Uh, no, see, he's not ready at all. And I, I don't. I, I like him. I, I do think he has a lot of upside. But his decision making is very poor. I think that's what really hurts him. And you see that with Bologna and and against Napoli right before the international break. I think that he squandered a chance, and. He's always a second behind before he decides to pass the ball, shoot the ball, or he overcommits. And I, I don't see him being there. And uh, I, I don't know what you guys think, but and I always get mixed up. He has a place on the right side too, right? Yeah. He has a...
0: But poorly, for poorly for Italy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Poorly for Italy. Well, anyway, I, really, I'm not with, with positions, guys. I, I, I'm not going to, like... I'll tell anybody on the show right now with positioning. It's not like cocky, right? I know where everybody
0: plays with soccer. Yeah, it's like, at, yep. at least oh. you never
2: made the mistake that uh, Maldini played right back.
0: Hey, hey Vinny. <laughs> Vinny, from, Vinny from Milan Weekly Pod. We're never letting him live that one down.
1: <laughs> I, I I like Chiesa. I think that... Actually, I don't like him. I think that Fiorentina really killed him. That's the difference. Like They just ruined him. They ruined his... His confidence, they ruined his ability to grow for so many seasons, playing him out of position, playing him in a 3-5-2 that he didn't suit, um, playing him as a striker. That is not his role. And hopefully Mancini can get the best out of Chiesa. I would say he's a third option if Baradi is playing like that and you got Zagnolo possibly returning and I would get Chiesa the third option and, and and that's pushing it. To be honest, uh,
0: I I agree with you guys. I'm not a big fan, but
1: hopefully Juventus can bring his confidence back. That that's the
0: biggest thing. And I still think Pirlo is trying to figure out what to do with Chiesa as well. Uh, Richard, uh, Jerry brings up Zaniolo. I mean, we're talking about you know. Let's just let's just pair the comparison down to Berardi and Zaniolo. Uh, characteristically, two completely different players. Um, but uh, your take? Uh, which one would you rather have on the right side of that four-three-three?
2: Honestly, I'd rather have both in the game. Honestly, if I could, but uh, this, it's hard with you know the options. Also, who's at left side, right? So, um, you know, if it was a, if it was a completely fit Zaniolo in prime condition, I would have Zaniolo. But okay. <laughs> you know, with, when he's healthy, I mean, will he get healthy in time? I don't know. It's a it's a second serious injury for him. They should not rush this kid at all yeah, you got two big tournaments coming up here with, the, with Nations League and Euros. Don't rush this kid. I think Barardi can certainly do the job. Uh, he's got a calm head on his shoulders now, you know, playing with a great cast that he has a Sassuolo, you know, with a great chemistry with, with Locatelli and Caputo and, and Boga and company. He's really become a nice playmaker. He's been the play, he, he has turned into the player that we all expected to him when he first emerged on the scene, when he got all this hype and Juventus and all these clubs were going after him. I think Barardi is the guy, for me, you know, because as I'm leaving Zagnolo out because I don't think he'll be healthy in time. He won't be yeah. where we need him to be because he may be healthy but not ready to play. So for me, but I'll be number one. You know, a, t- a player I think, well, Benedeschi is probably in the mix for me. I, Ooh, have, him over, yeah. K- I have him over Chiesa because oh he is God. another player who sucks in, 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 the, in the league play, but he goes to the national club and all of a sudden he becomes a pretty good player. So I put him over Chiesa, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming at number two, you know, if you take Zanielo out, I I really like Moise And Now, he may not fit into the striker mold because there's so many options. He may be versatile enough to play right wing. Um, and who knows? Maybe as this time emerges and he, as he's playing with PSG and he gets even better and better, maybe he becomes one of the strikers or the striker. But he could be an option at right wing and have another opportunist, another striker quality player up top. And that would be really well to benefit uh, Insigne on the left side who can also score goals. We know that. But he's also playing American feet someone in the back post. Uh, so for me right now it'll be uh, Berardi, and then probably either Kane or or, um, or and then you know maybe you know Chiesa after that or something. But uh, those three before before Chiesa for sure.
0: Yeah, I think they're all spoiled for choice. I think with yeah. I I like the technical unpredictability of Berardi, and I'm going to stick because I I've been clamoring for Berardi to get his opportunity, and and, and he he scored in each game. And he deserves uh, it. So. You know, so I'm I'm naturally going to say Berardi here should be the guy. Uh, I think he's got a. He, is he going to outpace any everyone like Zaniolo? No, he's not. No, but his no. technique, um, his passing, uh, his finishing, as we saw, his ability in on set pieces on his left foot. Uh, you know, can be of use. I mean, there's a there's a lot that he can bring to the table for the Atsuri in that position. Um, He can combine with the striker. He can link up. He can split passes and find Insigne on the other side. He can lay balls back to to midfielders. I mean, I think that there's a great blend of technique that uh, that Berardi offers where Zaniolo is, um, you know, you know, not as diverse in his passing, uh, but unbelievable pace can get behind people can be a real nuisance. If Italy want to press, they can press, um, you know, and they can, and they can use him, Uh, you know, and he's capable of scoring goals and he's capable of going at people and being a little bit more tenacious. Um, You know, so I, I, I I like Bernardi in that role and I'm going to just stick with that. Now as some of the other guys that you mentioned, yeah, Ken is looking like somebody that could be on the right side of that four, three, three. We, we talked about Bernardes. I just, overall, I'm not a, bernadeschi fan and i get that he does pop up a little bit better for italy than he does for juve um chiesa i think just doesn't fit in that setup um you know for whatever reasons it's just not working out um i think he'll be in the squad i think mancini will take him to the euros but i i he's he's a guy that i'm not confident in in terms of uh you know a lot of a lot of playing time uh you know in that role i think that that for me, I think on the right side of that four through three, I think Bedardi really stepped up uh and, and showed us and showed us something. So um uh the uh, fullbacks in these two nation league games were Alessandro Flore- Fl- Alessandro Florenzi on the right and Emerson Palmieri on the left. Uh yes or no, Jerry, these should be the two starting fullbacks at the Euros. No, 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 absolutely not. Um not not a, not at a chance um
1: i don't who who are the available options we can start our left back we got um spinazzola yeah spinazzola yeah sorry mm-hmm. spin i would probably prefer spinazzola even uh de lorenzo i like de lorenzo as well i think he he's much better as lorenzo's well
0: go- lorenzo's on the right
1: i like him. he would replace Florenzi, right yeah, yeah. i think Florenzi... Is a good third option, maybe second option, but not not a first option. Um, it, it, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see how how that one plays out. I don't know. Like I said, I'm 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 the worst when it comes to like who's on the positions and who we have available. Um, uh, I wish I could follow Italy as much as you guys did. Uh, I'm so I'm so caught up with A uh, that when it comes to like the whole like I'm actually trying to look at the roster now. When it comes to like the whole World Cup and the everything, like I I love the week off because I just get away from football and I just like <laughs> yeah. turn everything off. Yeah. But when, I'm just looking like, at the lineups right now, and I know that a lot of players were missing. You got Florenzi here. Um, I know there's Calabria, but I don't think he'll be there. He 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 was just there to fill a void probably during the uh, the international break. So I uh, I think he's having a good year though. I'll say that I think Calabria has been one of best, one of yeah. Milan's best defenders this year. Yeah, I would I would give him a, a candidate option for comeback Player of the Year. Compared to last year, he was so bad. Yeah, he was a liability. He's he's offensively gifted. I like his ability to like join the attack, and I think that he's very he's he he be good in a three five two. I I personally think um the way he's able to go up and down and, and he'll have more more oh. support in a 3-5-2 with the center backs and everything. Yeah that's good I think that I think that really works well for okay. him the more I think about it now. and I love his crossing ability. That that's where he his, where he really would flourish so much in a 3-5-2. Now it's his defensive abilities that I, I don't like where he's caught out of position. He gets beat easily one-on-one. And I'll, I'll say this, this season, I haven't seen that when I've watched, and I've watched a lot of Milan games, actually, and he's the one player, and I thought that he had a really good game against uh, Verona. I think he was one of the best players against Verona, really was, uh, provided some stability in the back, uh, very defensive-sounded, and and if he continues to have a good season, I think that he can be a possible candidate to make this team, Um Again, there's six months ahead. We don't know who's going to be healthy, who's not going to be healthy. Um, D'Ambrosio, nice knowing you. You're too old. It's not
0: a not a fullback. No. Too old. Too slow. Not a good um, player. Um. <laughs> all right. Wow. Not a fullback. Not a good player. There you go. Wow.
1: Scratch him off. <laughs> just cor- correct me, guys, if I'm if I'm saying these guys' positions wrong.
2: Like, uh, no, you're, like, no, he, no. He, you're right about his position. We just don't rate him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like i i i i'm the worst when it comes i try to like do my work on this but and i know and i know you guys are talking about fullbacks i there's one player who i do like a lot who should be mentioned is bastoni and i know he's a center back but uh, that's one guy who who should be there maybe in the summer um he's really growing underneath conte he's really
2: where's Lazzati in all this Where, you know i haven't seen his name in a while is he um, Has he been overlooked by Mancini or both I just, Jerry I, I, and uh, Roberto? <laughs> I like him. I just think his defensive ability
0: is what kills him. Another um, player who's good in a 3-5-2 maybe? Yeah, he's yeah. a 3-5-2 wingback. Yeah. I don't think he's a 4-3-3 fullback.
1: Yeah, he's not. He. I, I know a lot of Laziale will, will be pretty upset with me that I don't think that. I don't think Lazio should be there in a 4-3-3. I think he'll end up like Immobile where he'll play in a position that doesn't suit him he really flourishes when he goes up and down like like a like a calabria like they're both similar yeah. type of players who like to go and jump into the attack but when it comes to like the defensive side even these sometimes can be a little a liability as well so yeah. um i've never actually never like took the time to actually look at this position but
2: yeah um it's not a glorious position, you know, to talk no, about. No, it's not. I, it, the other
1: ones. I, I wouldn't bring Barucci back. I wouldn't bring Chiellini back. Uh, nice nice knowing you. Uh, you. You served your time. I like um, a Acerbi
0: back there, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Acerbi was very good. I think the combination of a Acerbi and Bastoni was very, very good. Yeah, I agree. You know, over, over the course of both games. Oh, so.
1: I, I got one for you guys.
0: Romagnoli. Um... He, let's see how he i mean he in his, in his in return his from injury in, in his return from injury he's been poor yeah um and he's going to need to get some games under his belt he's going to need to get his legs back under him um but you know some some really cheap penalties that he's given away uh over over a couple of games here um just needs he needs games he needs to get his legs back under him i mean he's he's in the conversation he's been called up by Mancini before so um yeah so he's definitely going to be talked about it. You know, I mean, and you brought up Bonucci and Chiellini. I don't think they're getting left out of the Euro squad. I don't they're think not. so. That's I think that they're veterans, going to be veterans. Well, I don't think that it's a problem. I think that there's. I don't think that it's a problem. I think that it's an issue of of, of needing the, to Richard's point, veteran leadership. Yeah, that's uh, true. You know, with a lot of these younger players, you know, and I think Chiellini probably has more to give the than Bonucci does. I think that Bonucci tends to be a defensive liability, and he's not the defender that he used to be. He's an excellent passing defender from that position. He can play a lot of long balls. He's accurate in those situations. He needs support of defenders around him. And in Mancini's Azzurri, he can get exposed with fullbacks going forward and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, he's, he's better in a back three with a couple of central defenders picking up the slack for him and maybe covering some of the defensive duties. Richard, the fullbacks. Florenzi, Emerson, they played the two games. They were solid. Uh, yes or no? They should be the fullbacks uh, when Italy kick off against Turkey at Euro 2021.
2: I mean, if I was picking the teams, it'd be no. Uh, but you know, from what we saw, you know, the past two games, you know, for me, a starting left back, I would want Spinazzolo <laughs> yeah. over Emerson. But I thought Emerson played pretty well, and I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. Uh, but you know, those would be top two guys in left back right now is uh, Emerson and, and Spinazzolo. Right back. You know, I'd probably prefer someone like Di Lorenzo back there because he, he's pretty good defensively and, and he can contribute offensively. Um, Florenzo, if he, if he plays like this the whole time or even gets better, great. That's fine. But we haven't seen that consistency from him. It's been missing the right-back right. position when he's there. So we have, he has yet a lot to prove. Um, I like having Calabria there, though, as a fifth option because he can play right-back or left-back. We've seen it before. He's more, more, more in the last years played right-back, but he can certainly play left-back like the Cielo. Um so, you know, maybe have it, maybe if, if there's some way, depending on, on the bodies, you can keep Calabria have him as that extra option in case somebody goes down injured, you have a backup, you know, do that. But, um, you know, if it was if it was me, I'd probably pick, you know, as of the games now, I will give Emerson the slight edge over Spinazzola. Uh, but right back, I would prefer Di Lorenzo over Florenzi. Um, and Florenzi would probably be number two, and then Calabria would be the three on both sides. But that's me. And then, um, you, know, you know, to answer Jerry's question about Romagnoli, you know, for me, honestly, right now, Romagnoli is probably at best fourth fourth on the Italian charts in terms of defenders, because uh, there, there's some other guys that are are playing much more consistently than he is. If he improves better, he should be—when he's playing well, he's one of the best in, in Italy. But he hasn't shown that
0: yet since his return to injury to Frank Spoyd. I'm going to say half true. Um, I think that uh, I'm very, I would be very happy to go into Euro 2021 with Emerson as the starting left back uh, from what I saw over the course of the two games. Um, two games against Poland and, and Be- Bosnia Herzegovina, um, r- roughly 175 minutes of football in those two games. He was brought off late in the Bosnia Herzegovina, committed one foul the whole Pretty time. Uh, committed good. one foul. We'll go forward and provide some service, get some crosses, take some shots. But he was he was intercepting passes. He was winning tackles, you know, so he was he was doing everything that you you want to do. And I'm not totally convinced that Spinazzola is going to do all of that, you know, on the left hand side. I think it's Emerson's job to lose on the left back position. Now, the right back, I think, is far more open. Florenzi's enjoying some really nice form with his club at PSG. It's carried over a little bit with the Italian national team. Um, but I think that that is a bigger spot of contention. I do not think D'Ambrosio should get another shot at right back because I think Italy has too many good right backs to pick from. Di Lorenzo is an excellent shout. I like him. Calabria uh, will probably end up being in the conversation for this as well. So when I look at um, right backs here for the Azzurri, I think that it's a deeper position, and I don't think that Florenzi is necessarily safe. So last question, Jerry. Um, true or false? Uh, Manuel Locatelli has won a starting position in midfield over Marco Verratti.
1: Oh, I was actually thinking about Verratti uh, and two different players. And oh my god, That's I find that Locatelli is a very creative player. He he can really advance that ball. Whereas I think the the thing is with Verratti, he's very defensive sounded in that midfield. I think maybe he provides something a little differently when you watch him, his challenges, the way he's very aggressive and, and can, can offer something. I, I feel like Locatelli and Jorginho are similar players and Barella. They all offer kind of like the same thing where they're, they're, they're able to be very creative and, and join the tack. And does Verratti maybe provide something differently that blends with the, with with Jorginho and Barella, I could be wrong. Personally, um, I I think the three actually work well together. I would give it to Locatelli over Varati. One because he's younger. Two, I I I just like his his style of game where he's not. Taking stupid yellow cards that that Verratti is really known to do, I think that he he's still a good player varati varati but i I feel like he's a little on a decline in in, in recent yeah. time whereas look on the incline where he's he's starting yep. to go up so yep. as much as what varati can still provide you and I know he has leadership too i I think that with Locatelli playing on Sassuolo and what he's been able to do, whereas Verratti, yeah, okay, he plays with PSG, but I, I, I don't know what he's offered them as that so wow with 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 who he plays around too, right? Um, I, I like, I like, I like Locatelli. I think it's his to 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 keep now. I think that he earned the respect of of Mancini and his assistant and if anything he he's only growing as a player and I I, I like the three the tandem in, in the middle um who was missing in midfield for this game were there any notable players missing that maybe I, I'm not remembering or because of COVID or you had Verratti out yeah, since Sans, Sansi was out as well oh he's not um, forget was, about was, Sansi was, he's not gonna he was be featured there. in the midfield? Okay. He's not going to be there.
0: He'll be hurt by then.
2: <laughs> yeah, sad but true. Yeah. Uh,
0: Richard, same question. Uh, true or false? Locatelli has overtaking Verratti in the Italy midfield. Short answer. True. Um,
2: you know, it's it's a difficult question though. And and you know, if we're going into Euros, I would I would be ecstatic if the Azzurri had you know Verratti, Jorginho, Barella, Sensi, and Locatelli. I think all yeah. five could contribute oh, when yeah. they're healthy and and playing well. To Jerry's point, though, with Verratti, you know, Verratti does have the experience with the other two, with Varela and Jorginho. They play really well for years now, and they they know each other so well. Uh, But, like Jerry said, he's a little too aggressive. And like last night we were talking about, he gets a yellow card every game at least, and that can be a liability. And great, yeah, it's good to have, if, you know, you're playing in a game, he gets a yellow card, take him off right away and put on Locatelli. But the way Locatelli's been playing... I think it warrants, you know, another look at it. Give him some more opportunity because he played pretty well those two games. Yep. Had a freaking beautiful assist about Ardi on that goal. Um, and I think out of any midfielder on this team, Locatelli is the best tackler out of this team. It's very underrated, his tackling ability. Mm. I, I, I tell anybody who wants to go, go look at the tapes, watch the highlights of, of Locatelli. He is a fabulous tackler of the ball. Not talking like old-school City tackling, not just like what we talk, what we see nowadays. Uh, he is brilliant and he's also a playmaker to Jerry's point. So I don't know, man. He's, got, he's, he's been on the on trajectory, uh, trajectory upward. Uh, right now, he's taken the, the position away from Verratti just ever slightly, but obviously it's not up to us. It's man- uh, Joe, not Jerry Mancini, Roberto Mancini, who makes the <laughs> ultimate call. Uh, Jerry, Jerry you're a lot going of to beat the Euros, man. We're giving you the plugs, man. We'll give you the plug for Euros. I wish, uh, man. <laughs> but for me, if it was me, I would say Locatelli gets a start over Verratti just because of the reasons we're all mentioning here. I think he's a fabulous player, and he's going to be uh, someone we're going to be talking about for years to come as being one of the stalwarts of the midfield with Barella. And...
0: Yeah, this one I'm in agreement. I say true. Um, the, the the concern within you guys raises about Verratti is that he's just late on the tackle, um, and it leads to fouls, it leads to yellow cards, uh, you know, and so forth. The other thing, when he's in that 4-3-3 setup, he prefers to stay high you know, inside on the left, and he doesn't track back as much, um, you know, and try to help out the midfield. And I loved the chemistry between Locatelli, Jorginho, and Barella, uh, you know, over these over these Nations like Jorginho could stay home and sit in front of the back four and ping yep. passes around. He's not, you know, Pirlo in that regard, but he's pretty damn good for what he's asked to do. And then you've got Barella and Locatelli who can run for days. Um, you know who love to go and link up with the front three and try to provide passes and create chances You know create their own chances on top of it um, But then they're also willing to recover and and, and and get connected with Jorginho again in that three-man midfield and help close things up They they both work up and down and they both work extremely hard. So, you know, uh, you know You know a lot of people will tell you too is
2: that in the big games at least for PSG Verratti seems to disappear or not even play in those games well he's i you mean know, magically hurt or just doesn't play well at all and you, know, you can believe that
0: if you want or not but uh, everything's indicating towards Locatelli. Yep. Yep. I I am I'm, I'm I'm in agreement and and the more he continues to put out for his club as well uh is, is just more evidence of that because functionally it's very very similar as well. It's a little tweak with it, Zerbi. it's more 4-2-3-1 than true 4-3-3 especially yeah. when you play Jodicic, who Likes to sit behind the center forward and you know and spray things around from a higher position, um, but you know role wise the same things are being asked in general. So um, yeah, so I'm 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 there on Locatelli. So uh, you know love the Italy talk, guys. Let's move on to uh, some other questions here. Um, let's talk um, about uh, Lazio now. <clears throat> Jerry's favorite subject. He's, it's, it's, it's not mine. It's uh, not mine. And Richards today, since <laughs> uh, since we've taken over this podcast, we ought to at least afford uh, Jerry the courtesy of, of being able to talk about Lazio. Um, Jerry, just a minutes. Jerry, just don't make it. Jerry, just don't make it awkward, please. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's gonna be straightforward. Don't worry. It, it, it's the same questions that so many have been asked, and, and it's gonna be around the COVID situation with Lazio the immobilist situation and and Alberto that those are the three topics. I I, I would love your opinions on because everyone knows my opinion about the whole COVID situation. And I don't really talk about it on Twitter because there's a lot of people who who think that they know what's going on, but I was listening to city are awesome and Nikki Bandini. uh, She said it perfect. She broke it down. And the, the, the key word she said, it's all speculation. Yeah. There's no, nowhere along the lines that says that Lacho is being sued. Lacho is going to back, going back to City of B. And people see that, oh, Lacho could go to City of B, according to Football Italia, who they've reported from somebody else. And right away people are like, oh, Lacho did bad, but where's the evidence here? Like, and, and, and I think that. And I, and I agree with Immobile that I would sue everybody's asses for for ruining his name because at the end of the day, do you think that Immobile would risk his life and people around him? This is a guy who has kids and a wife. Okay, yeah, he's not some guy on the street that, that decides to go to 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 go play every day and and, and lives on his own. Okay. He's got kids. He understands morals. He's matured. I would say that this is a guy who has matured. If anything, if we talk back to Italy, and the Azuri, is that he's matured, and as a as a person, on and off on and off the pitch, and I think that if whatever the the lab reports are, those are what it. It, it it comes, I don't think Latito is gonna go and change the the actual results and put positive on a sheet of paper and put his team at risk. I I, I think that he's a a smart businessman. I, if anything, I know he's cheap and and stingy, whatever you want to call it, when it comes to like buying players and how he does business. But you think he would put his team at risk and, and in jeopardy of going down? And so like, I love to hear your your
2: opinions with the whole COVID situation. I'll, I'll start with you, Richard. Well, first off, uh, Nikki Bandini, she knows herself and, and she's definitely a must follow on Twitter for sure. Cause she definitely is one of the people who, you know, get six of the points and doesn't, you know, let, uh, let your, your biases, you know, reach out in their tweets. So anyway, she'll follow her, but uh, yeah, you know, this whole situation is tricky and, and, and much like with any time we get any kind of big allegations with anything, you want to just wait to see the facts before you really comment on it. Cause um as you said it's speculation at the moment and and, and until i see some more you know hard evidence then i I, i'm wary about uh, you know commenting on something does it look bad yeah but we don't know anything for sure if it comes out everything that that we're hearing is true okay yeah for sure well i'll rail on, i'll rail on them all day but then again if if it comes out false and you're like i'm i'm gonna go to bat for them too i'm gonna wait because i don't like speculating on something that's pure just words at this moment i want to see facts and
0: mm-hmm. we talk
2: about this all the time frankly you know we've, with other situations we're not, I'm not going to bring up but there's other you know h- hardcore situations in that's happened in the past couple of years that again we want to see facts before we you know comment and really go all in on on the on one way or the other
0: yeah i mean i totally agree with that and, and i guess the is the luis alberto situation help me out here jerry it, it, has latito frozen him out of the team is that is no. that what i'm hearing it's not. He,
1: He at the end of the day, the decision goes to Nzagi. And Nzagi has used him in practice today. He used him yesterday in training. Um, he's actually tweeted out Alberto Fuerza and, like, has repeatedly accepted the mistake he's made. Um, I'm happy that he's acknowledged it. The, apparently, there's going to be a hefty fine, and he's accepted that. And I think that deep down he knows that he kind of jumped the gun. I'm I'm happy that Lotito did not buy the plane out of his pocket and that he, he I'm serious because like that could have been that could really cause a lot of damage not just to him but more to the dressing room and and players start saying well we gave up our, our three month salary last year in April May June whatever it may be we deferred our pays uh we we accepted not to get paid for X amount of time while you buying a plane but the fact that. And Luis Alberto is a good example. I'm, I'm like, unlike him at times too, where I did the same thing when the whole Milan versus, Nap- sorry, Napoli versus Juventus scandal, like the whole, why they didn't play. And I jumped the gun already right away on Napoli and, and, and sorry, on Juventus and I'll like say calling them out. But at the end of the day, you, when you hear five different reports, how can you call out a team when no one's got the, the story straight? And that was the case with Latito, where one person said he bought the plane. Another person said it was sponsored. And at the end of the day, it was like a, a partnership agreement where Lazio flies it. It's chartered, I believe, where they only have to pay for, like, gas and flights back and forth. That's it. But it's sponsorship to, to Terran It's like a 1980 plane, and, like, they didn't pay a dollar for it. So it's just, like, to get free promotion, and I guess... Alberto didn't have the facts straight. Right away, he assumed that Latito bought the plane, and it kind of upset him. He was on Twitch playing FIFA and decided to answer a fan's question. Now this it, is kind of escalated. I'll, I'll say one thing: Latito's got to learn to like not. He he needs to go back to school and take education classes to like learn how to talk again and how to communicate <laughs> with people because his words are the worst with how he explained the, what COVID was with the girl vagina, to like <laughs> hold, holding an eagle on Luis Alberto, which is probably one of the best midfielders in football. And and I, I, I love the, the, the report the other day. I read that um, Everton is interested in, in Luis Alberto on a loan. When you know that you see on a loan, why would Lutito or Tade consider putting this guy on a loan? That doesn't benefit Lazio. And I'm pretty sure they're not dumb. You're not gonna loan out your best like Zlatan. I said it was Zlatan. and he would you loan him out? Who do who do you replace him with then? And that's the same thing with Luis Alberto. Who do you replace him with? Um there's just too much stake with Champions League, with the season, and, and at the end of the day, they, they already said that the decision goes down to Nzagi, which I'm happy. And and Inzagi's gonna put his foot down, he's always been the mediator was the mediator for this situation again, but I'm hoping that this is put behind us. I, I I'd love to hear your take about how this was handled and everything else around it.
0: I guess I just, all I'm going to say is, is I just want to speak to the, the job that Simone and has done throughout all of this, um, because, you know, he has lost a swath of players, you know, for these reasons. And, we've we've spoken about it on Serie A sit down the, the the five points that they have through the first three games in the Champions League might be the five most impressive it might, might be the five most impressive points any team has earned so far in this group stage this season yeah. Yeah. you know considering the circumstances and considering the, what, what they were up against now they were full strength at home against Borussia Dortmund but it was a match that from you know Borussia Dortmund controlled the possession you know and controlled the ball and Lazio took advantage of some Borussia Dortmund mistakes. But good teams will do that. And that's what Lazio did. And they got three points. And then they take a less than full strength team, far less than full strength team, to Bruges and to Zenit. Uh, and, and I don't care how deep you are or how lack of that it, you – it's so hard to go on the road in the Champions. Like, I don't care who you're playing. It's so hard to go on the road in the Champions League and get points. And to come away with a point in each of those games and be in second and be in position, you know, to qualify from this group stage with everything that they've had to battle through is as impressive as any other job any manager has done so far this season. I don't say that lightly. I give Simone Inzaghi a lot of credit for the hand that he's been dealt this season and for how he's navigated. Has the league form suffered as a result? Yes. But you still have a 1-1 draw against Juventus that, you know, some people will say, hey, it came down to the last kick of the game, and if it's not for that last kick of the game, Lazio loses. Well, they got that last kick, and they goal's a goal. So a goal's a goal, no matter how you, de- how you describe it. So I look at it from that perspective. I see everything that's circling around Lazio, on the, on the pitch, off the pitch, players available, players not available. Who's the constant? Simone Ansagi, And he has hardly complained about it. He has just rolled up his sleeves, he's gotten his hands dirty in this and he is finding a way to manufacture points for this team, you know, to keep them afloat, to keep them in a great position in the Champions League and to keep them in some sort of position in Serie A. So, you know, that's where I look at it.
1: I want to I want to add to that, Frank, and you said a good point, he hasn't complained. And and I'm happy he hasn't because he is one of the few managers that that spoke out and said we cannot stop the season. We stopped the season now, and this was like, before, like at the start of the year, and even last year, what he said, these are the new this is the new Serie A. We're going to go into weeks where we're not going to have nine players available. In the next week, you're going to have a full team. And he knows that the circumstances are not the same like it was prior seasons. And he's not going to use that as an excuse, but he knows that you stop the season. Serie can lose a lot more money one mm-hmm. which he knows the economical impact and but I think that more importantly is that the game just has to continue and and it's the new norm he said this is what life is and we have to accept it and yeah. and I, I'm, I'm I think he's really matured as a manager compared to like the last two years where when I first started doing podcasting with you guys like I remember he this guy had more excuses than that a book can hold now, it's no longer what the excuses are, but more of what his players were able to do on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I give credit to Tade and Latito too. And I think that the one thing that people criticized was their transfer market. And people said that we didn't get uh, A and B. We didn't get that center back, Kambula. And I think that at the end of the day... This team bought the players that it needed. It didn't get the high-profile player, but it got the players that fit the role. They got the players that fit the 3-5-2. Wesley Hoot, a lot of people... You were asking me earlier about how Lazio fans and how do they react if if we lose? We're talking off-air. Well, I'll tell you something about Lazio fans I don't like. This buyback clause. uh, When a player leaves, you don't bring him back. And that's this is a stupid,
2: st- stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm sorry, man. That move rarely works for any team. You know, no, we know with Shevchenko, Kaká, it never works out, and other right. teams can say the same thing. So I, I don't like
1: it. If you can bring a certain player back and he's developed into a better player, like Wesley, who was not good at Southampton in the EPL, fine. But the EPL is not Serie A. It's two different styles of play. And and a guy like who comes in and and Simone Nzagi knows what he's getting from this player. Slots him in and has filled the void so well since he came. And he came very late from the transfer market. Didn't have time to adjust. And he's come in with so much confidence. Had a good year last year in in the Belgian league. You get a guy like Mohamed Fadis. Yeah, it's been a slow start for him. Came late from the transfer market. And what did is, what is Simone Inzaghi say? Give him time. Yeah. And, and and Inzaghi hasn't like beat him down saying, you're a bad player, you're not playing good. No, he didn't have the summer to perform, to practice with players. Vedat Marici, another player who came from the Turkish league, needs time. He's starting to get his feet. Um, I think Pereira came late as well, but these are players that came late from the transfer market, which made it hard for Inzaghi, but said, And he, he applauded and Latito saying, I'm very happy with what we did in the transfer market where we bought players, we filled areas, and we got more players than last year. And I think that's the biggest thing, that Nzagi struggled last year with not having the availability of players. And and he's always mentioned it time and time again. And this year, they bought like six, seven guys, plus retaining your key players – and, and I and I'll stay I'll stay firm how I feel and I think this team still has the ability to finish in a top four spot in Serie A. I think that they have the character and and kind of like like you were saying, Frank. These kind of performances in Champions League in Serie A, coming against like Juventus, can really make a difference in your season long term and it can really build your the relationship and the foundation of this team and make them even stronger. And and the momentum's there. So I think that nzagi has the pieces in place and the fact that they've done it without immobile without Luis Alberto um, Lucas Leva you can go even to like Luis Felipe there's so many players that have been out and they've, they've overcome it and I think that 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 can really go a long way this
0: year and I mean it's just like and the players now each and every one of them on that roster are gonna walk through walls uh you know for this manager uh you know for Giving them the opportunity, having the faith in them, and then they deliver for them. So it's just, it's, a, it's a great situation. Yeah. Now moving on to the club that Richard and I support, Milan. Uh, there is a bit of a contract dispute going on here with Hakan Chalinolu, Um, You know, in terms of uh, you know trying to extend him, uh, they're a little bit apart in what they, uh, you know, what they feel is fair annually. I believe Calanolu wants somewhere in the neighborhood of seven million uh, a season. Um, Milan are not coming in at that number. Uh, who's R- Richard? I'll ask you. Who's whose side are you taking here?
2: Um, not the guy who thinks he deserves seven and a half million dollars uh, for hey, sure. I, I, I like I like Hakon, and I have since you know forever, um, and I think he brings a lot to this team. But I don't think he's worth that much. Unfortunately, I, he hasn't shown me that he he hasn't taken over games where he it shows me that he yeah he's ready for that kind of money. Uh, does he deserve a raise sure he does he definitely deserves a raise he's, he's played really well and you know, he was there with the struggles and now he's, now he's now he's doing he's one of the better players in terms of helping this team get to that next level uh, so he brings a lot to the team brings a lot of leadership and stuff like that but I don't think he's worth seven and a half million I'm, I'm sorry and I like the guy a lot but you need you need to provide a lot more. You know, you're gonna to need to become a next level player consistently to earn a kind of money or more. And I don't think he's there yet. I'd rather give don I'd rather give Donnarumma twelve million a year than I'd rather give uh Chellanolu seven and a
0: half, seven million, whatever that is I'm I'm in that camp as well, uh Jerry. I I just I think that I think Chellhanolu is leveraging the situation obviously because he's put in I mean statistically he looks fantastic but he's looked fantastic ever since he's gotten the opportunity to play with Ibrahimovic you take Ibrahimovic out of the equation and then what are what is Milan going to get with this guy and I think that that's the sticking point um and I think that Milan are of the belief that they can go spend money on a guy like Dominic Jovelski from uh RB Salzburg and Pay him less than certainly far less than seven and a half million a year, and that guy could go in and do what Chalanolo is doing now, probably even better.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I know that Latu are actually interested in him as well. A lot of city teams were were very interested in him, and I just would never give a player six and a half, seven million. That's just unless you're like worth it, then yeah, but I don't even know who makes seven and a half million or seven million in city uh, seriously. That, that that would be he'd be paid more than any Lazio player. That that's I that I know. And if he's making more than Immobile at seven and a half million for what Immobile does, no. No way, man. Like for what Immobile does for, for the value he's being paid, I think he gets paid three and a half million a year or three million a year. And you he he's, I hate this guy actually because I drafted him in my football play. <laughs> and, and, and and he hasn't scored a goddamn goal. Freaking, I I watch the way he plays. I don't like the way he finishes. Okay, guy can't hit the net. He's very he. he you're right. He he does play very well with Laton. He can like he's creative. He can advance the ball forward. But I I don't I agree with you guys. I don't like seven and a half millions a lot of he, seven and a half. It has to be like a, a Ferrari that's working in all cylinders and yeah. it, it is never breaking down. Well, the old Ferrari, not today's Ferrari, because today's <laughs> Ferrari can't wait But, but like, how do you make money, baby? Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for seven million, you gotta be the best player on on the pitch every single week. Look, and I mean, Hawkeye's not the best player every week, right. right?
2: and and you know, I, I'm also not gonna say Donnarumma is worth twelve million, you know, but I could I could argue giving him twelve million more than I could give the Chalanola giving him seven and a half million because oh, yeah. Donnarumma brings it every freaking game. He's probably one of the best defender, best goalies not only in Serie A but in the world, and he's only what 22 years old, 21 years old, so. He still has a lot of upside in him, and uh, he brings it every game. He's 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 gotten Milan so many points just by his play alone. So I could argue the twelve million for him, even though I don't agree with it. I can't. I, there's no way I can argue with Chalanola getting that seven and a half million. If you talk about five million, maybe uh, that's pushing it even there. But I can see that much more than a seven million, seven and a half
0: million. What does he make right now? Three Russ, not a, is it three, two and a half? Probably, yeah, I Something don't know. like that. You know, it's a big race. Donnarumma Don is a generational talent for his position yeah you know the, you don't get you, you don't get a lot mm-hmm. of Genji Yeah, you get a lot of Hakan Chalanolus, a lot of guys that can that can create that can be good on the set piece and play make shit. Atalanta have four or five guys better than <laughs> oh, Hakan Chaolu. yeah, okay, sure. and they're paying them and, pay, and they're paying them an awful lot less than than Chalanolu wants. Mm-hmm. you know when you think about you think about Papu Gomez, you think about Malinowski, you think about Ilichich, you think about Miranchuk. Uh, Pasilic, you know, can can somewhat be in that conversation. So, yeah, Chalinolu is not worth the money. Uh, I think we're all in agreement on this. Um, and Milan are better served to, you know, if they can't work out a deal with him, if he goes for free, I mean, this this club has been so good at making, over the last couple seasons, which has been long, long overdue for Milan, they've been so good at making business decisions like yeah. this um, and understanding where to spend money and where not to spend money, um, versus, you know, the, the frivolousness of, of Sport Luxembourg, which turned out to be a complete scam. And then prior to that, the, the, just the dying years of the Berlusconi Galliani era was just throw as much crap at the wall as we can can, and we'll see what sticks. You know, I think there's, there's a much more sound plan and I'm going to side with management on this. If they, they have a number that they think Chalinola is worth and that's what he's worth. And it's up to the player, whether he takes it or whether he wants to move on. So I want
1: I want to add to that. I'm just name some players that you, you just mentioned, okay? Raphael Leal. Yep. Very cost efficient. Yep. Benacer, Fuck. You guys can make a, a a dime a dime on that guy. Uh solid, solid makers didn't cost that much. Uh Simon Kier. didn't cost that much. All you right. think when you're being you're you're right. And I and then I wanted to say that before you even mention it, but if they're making cost efficient deals, and, and and a club is trying to like really balance the books because the FFP, and I think they're gonna get there by the end of the year. I think they're they're on the right direction, and then they're not buying those eighty million dollar players anymore like they used to. And, and you think all of a sudden with, with with the money that they're spending, they're gonna go and blow the bank on this guy? No, no man. I, it's not the same Milan. I, the the Milan of spending will come when LDF Fund is out the door. I think yeah. that's when you'll start to see... When Arnaud comes in. <laughs>
0: Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Louis Vuitton
1: yeah. I, I think once LDF Fund is sold, you're going to see a new direction of, of Milan. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that Milan knows who they probably want in that clubhouse. They want someone... This is not a team that is like Lazio, I'll be honest. Or Or... Who who tries to just push for fourth? We we've had the the Milan Weekly guys come on and and they said it. Milan doesn't strive for fourth place. Milan strives for first. Mm-hmm. That that's the Milan logo. Yeah. That's that uh, that's what they're known for. Going for fourth is is not good enough. It, it's the building block, but. The end game is always trying to compete with Juventus so that's what they've always been known for, and that's something that's been missing for the last decade and I think the next owner that comes in is going to make this team that top that top two team again and I hope one day Letito can become like that just on a side note but i I would actually be happier if he sold the team that's yep.
2: just
0: i'll say this i i i'm I'm probably in the minority of milan fans Though, yeah i i I, for now i want i just want top four and getting back into the champions league but i want that as a stepping stone toward winning scudetti again yeah Yeah. so um you know so that's kind of how i that's kind of how i look at it pragmatic yep yep you know step-by-step approach all right let's uh let's finish this bad boy off by talking about this weekend's games uh uh, Jerry, you got a breezy one. Uh, uh, it's Saturday morning at Crotone, uh, bottom of the table. Is um, it breezy?
2: because uh, Juventus had a struggle with them one one recently, so it eh, might not be as easy as you think. <laughs> they didn't have,
0: think... they didn't... sorry, well, uh, Juventus was shorthanded that game, but you know, Lazio's used to being shorthanded, so it's 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 not going to be a problem for them. Touche, um, yeah, I, I expect Lazio to get three points here, so um. You know, what what have I said over the last several weeks on our shows? They're very
2: resourceful this year, and they find ways to do enough to get the job done. They got that late goal against Juventus. They'll find ways to pull a goal out late in the game to get the victory. They're doing it this year, you know, not the conventional way that we want to see in the fun way, but they're finding ways. They're I, they're
0: not. Oh yeah, sorry, Jerry. They're. they're of I don't find I don't find Lazio to be a team that's just going to go out and boss everybody that they play. I think that they're going to be a team that's going to just exploit what the other team is weak at take advantage of it and get their three points that way. I think that I think that and and Jerry, don't take this the wrong way. I think that Lazio is going to get a lot of their points this year out of smash and grab uh, more than bossing anybody. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't think that Simone Inzaghi is going to have a problem with that either. No, you're right.
1: Um... It's a different style of, of play this year. I think that he needs to adapt with a really condensed schedule. They've never won against Crotone on, on, on the road, like uh, as the visitor. Uh, mm-hmm. It's only, I, I, doing the match preview this past week, it, it's, they've, uh, I think they've drawn there. That's it. But, um, it, it you never want to take your opponent lightly. Um, Crotone needs a win. Um, Stropa needs a win, or else he's on the hot seat. Uh, their manager. Yeah. It's very easy to to play at your opponent's level, and and, and go down very low or yeah. into. So that's something that Lato needs to avoid. Can I see them losing this game? Oh, absolutely. But they don't have milinkovic Savage for the next ten days because of uh, COVID. But that's not going to stop them cuz they just got back Lucas Leva and Luis Alberto and yeah that, i think that if anything the midfield is their their biggest uh their strength and i i agree with you Frank they should win this game and, and on a side note guys i think the the top 4 top 5 is is really wide open i think that whoever finishes the top 4 i my opinion just t- on a side note here a and i think that even Juventus is is, is is not going to be a lock because of their whole transition and, and still adjusting underneath uh, Pirlo I, I, I do believe that you're going to see Juventus Milan, Napoli um, Inter and Lazio in, in the top five running for the top four position there. I think Atalanta is really going to struggle this year and, and I think that mojo is done that, that Cinderella story has gone out the door I don't think their their transfer market was as good as maybe some people have thought. Uh, I don't like their depth. Uh, Melanowski now has COVID, and 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 the problem is this team starts losing players due to COVID. They don't have that depth that the other five teams I just mentioned do have have shown they they've been able to overcome these situations. Whereas Atlanta, just they're, they're just not they've been too reliant on five goals. Four goals, three goals, and I think the biggest Achilles in this team is they can't play defense. And, yeah, they've, been, and they've been they've been they've been given they've been giving them away in the back for sure. So if you can't play defense, I don't care who, what. I was called out so many times last year that they know how to score to overcome wins. That can only last so long. You can't rely on goals every game because you're not always going to have that perfect game. And I think that the biggest issue. and I said this before the season started with Ilicic, and the, the absence of Ilicic really hurt them. And even yeah. though he's back, he's not the same player. And I, and I don't know, even in form, even psychologically, I don't know if his mind is there or not. And, and, and it just doesn't seem like the same team. Papu Gomez was like the, the build your block too as well. And if he's not on, the whole team's not on. And And, and they're so dependent on one player. Whereas the other five teams... Are not dependent on one player. Milan doesn't always need Zlatan. Even if Milan start, if Zlatan starts on the bench, I think that he's able to like bring the best out of other players that can step up in a game. Whereas Papu can bring the best out of other players in the game. I find oh. so, and and I think that the is going to dip off as well. They're they're they'll probably compete for a Europa League spot, but not a, not a Champions League spot. Um,
0: that's just me though. We're awfully high on Sassuolo this season. I actually, when I did my predictions, I predicted him to finish seventh. Uh, So, which, you know, depending on who the Coppa Italia winner is, is going to put him in the Europa League. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, the other intriguing games, like, you know, uh, I actually am very interested in Hellas Verona against Sassuolo Richard on Sunday. Uh, That's going to be a good one. Mm. Clashing styles uh, and two teams that have been you know, very, very successful. We talk about Atalanta and everything that they've done with a modest budget, but with a system and attracting the players that fit that system. You know, Sassuolo is certainly getting that reputation, and I think we're probably talking about Hellas Verona in that vein. Only Hellas Verona's just their style is just different than what you see from Sassuolo and Atalanta, who are far more free-flowing. Yeah. Uh, Hellas Verona's a lot more rigid in their approach, uh, but you know. Intriguing game of contrasting styles Richards from from two teams that really think they're in with a shout for a European place
2: And it's a it's a it's a right right on shout I think for both those clubs because like you said both of these clubs are doing the most out of what money they have and it's not much Um, they're, they're, They're getting pieces that fit their mold and their molds are completely different ones very defensive One of the best defensive teams in the league the other one's one of the best offensive teams in the league and how is that gonna mesh right? Uh, you know, I, I see this game is going to be very similar to that Milan-Milan uh, Milan, uh, Hellas match, where it's going to be like something like a two-two. Because I think Sassuolo they can score on anybody, but they also give up goals. And yeah. Hellas can Hellas are opportunistic. They when they get their chances, they score. So I can see it's a very close, tight game, something like a two-two. But uh, it's going to be a very unique game because you know both these teams at times can play really good defensively, and both teams have shown at times they can score goals. So. um but the, but the contrast is, you know, one team is a very free-flowing team, like Frank said, and this is Sassuolo. Beautiful. I mean, all the time we talk about best goals of the week, they're usually in the mix because they have some beautiful team goals, not just solo efforts. And Hellas just you know, week after week, over the last year and a half, they've played some really great defense with no, no names, really. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody knew Kambula last year, and then all of a sudden he becomes one of the hot commodities. And this year it'll be somebody else. I guarantee it. Uh, so, Z- and plus they got Z-Kanye. a... Yeah, Zakanya, and they got a fantastic goalie as well. So, uh, it's two intriguing teams, two intriguing stories, and I think it'll be a a draw, but a a fun draw, I think. It's a, you know, when you talk about teams that play defensive, you're, you're like boring old Genoa style. No, this is, hell, let's play a good defensive style game.
0: Now for the one that everybody's going to be, uh, pumped up about on Sunday. Uh, Napoli, Milan, third versus first. Um, uh, jerry's laughing <laughs> jerry'll be the only calcio guy not watching this game <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, be I'll be watching it he'll be Mobley's not playing <laughs> but, i think the only game
1: that I don't really don't watch is roma games but yeah. if it's nothing else on tv i'll watch it but i think it's just normally roma let's figure that
0: out there's going to be no victor osiman and alex merritt's going to have to start in Golf monopoly um I, I I gave my opinion of how this game was going to go on Alex's radio show earlier uh, earlier today, but uh, I want to hear from you guys on uh, what what's important uh, for each team and who you think will win. Jerry, I want to see how Milan rebounds after their two
1: two draw versus Verona. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. They. I expected them to lose I, after losing to Leo I thought that was the start of a, of a really total collapse because in sports normally when a team goes on a, such a, a consistent long unbeating or winning streak the minute you lose that first game I don't know why um, I would love to know people like the answer if anybody has this answer about how a team goes from winning 20 in a row say or 10 in a row or 8 in a row um, beating in 20 in a row to, like, losing 5 or 10 in a row. I, it, it blows my mind, and, and, and I don't know if it's the mindset that they're just so demoralized that like they just lost that one that, that, that streak. And I, and I thought that Milan really responded well in their game against Verona where they they showed fight back in the second half. It was a disastrous first half, down to nothing, came back. Um, even after Zlatan missed a penalty shot, and, and they didn't show any quit. They they, they pulled off a Lazio uh, and, and scored an, an, an injury time. So, and then you got Napoli, who showed that they can win a one nothing game when it's not always going their way, it's trying to score three, four goals against Bologna, who came close in the last 10 minutes and almost scored. Had Orsellini actually knew how to score in the back of the net. So, it, it's this is gonna be a very toss-up game. Um, no, no awesome in, It does hurt them, but guess what? They got a guy like Patania now, who they signed uh, from Spal, and, and can really step in now t- on Sunday and fill that void and provide something different. Um, the the fact that you kept Koulibaly has really been like the biggest uh, yeah. biggest strength of this team, and you got Milan who got lots on it and has really carried the the, the weight of this team. So I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw in this game. Um, That's how I'm going to look at it. It's going to be a hard-fought game. You're going to see a resilient Milan side. And with Napoli, I I, I just, with with Milan, you've seen majority of the year has been good. They've been really good. With Napoli, they've been good, but they've been bad. And there hasn't been that straight line yet of this team where there's been consistency. With the Europa League, they got lucky winning their their match. I forgot who they played. Uh, AK. So, Sociedad. No. The, they, beat the, they They
0: lost it, to Azad. They lost to Aze And then they... Yeah. You
1: no, know, after uh,
0: Sociedad, they beat, they, beat, they beat. And then they, they beat wanted somebody Sociedad else. They won Sociedad. And then, yeah, they were down at halftime at Rijeka. And they, they came back and won.
1: Yeah. So this team is like they're up and down they're like hot and cold so you just yeah. never know what you're going to expect with Napoli and if you get the best Napoli they're 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 a side that's really difficult to beat but it's a coin toss with Napoli whereas now with Milan under uh, Pioli they have shown a good identity and and I, and I expect them to come all strong on Sunday I'll say that much
0: Richard uh keys for the Napoli Milan game and who wins
2: yeah, you, most people think you know it's it's Zlatan versus Koulibaly, right? Uh, maybe maybe you know five years ago, yeah, that would be the case. Zlatan would have been like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go Koulibaly and show him who's the best. He's not the same. He's not that kind of player. He plays. He goes. He preys on the weakness now of teams. We talked about on our on our show how he'll look for the weakness of the opposition and and try to take advantage of that. If he tries to take advantage of Koulibaly, he's gonna lose in that effort. He needs to take on take on take advantage of Maximovic or or, or Manolas whoever's playing next to Koulibaly, and really exploit that. And not and get away from Koulibaly to really get a chance to you know to create opportunities for himself, but also his teammates too. Rebic is back as well. And he's gonna be feeding off of that. You know, he gets off for these big games. Um, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, you know, can they learn? Can Milan learn from their slow start against Hellas? If they if they allow Napoli to get out to a two-nothing lead, it's over. I'm sorry. As much as Milan are good, I think Napoli are just as good. And it's gonna be a big test, both teams. This is really the first maybe big test both clubs have faced so far this year. Uh, you know, for Napoli, it would have been the Juventus game, but you know we won't get into that drama. Um, <laughs> but this is a big test for both teams. And um, you know, for Milan, how this is gonna be one of the first games that they're gonna be uh, facing a team that can outboss them in terms of possession. How do they handle that? Are they able to soak up the pressure and beat up and fight off on the counter? Yes, they have the potential to do it. They have the players. Can they do it? Uh, you know, yeah, no, Ozyman's there who's a you know electric playmaker uh, for as a striker. He's not there, but they're still got the other three-headed monsters. I mean, they still got the rest, of, the rest of the guys there. I mean, Lozano's playing fantastic. Mertens is still there. Insigne is still there. They got a fantastic midfield. And then Koulibaly's in the mix as well. I mean, it's a hard team to play against. And, and to Jerry's point, you know, they're coached up brilliantly by Gattuso. gives them the grinta. It's going to be a difficult game. I, you know, he says 2-2. I'm going to go 1-1. I mean, you know, Napoli, how do, they, how do they deal with the counter that Milan's going to put at them? Um, you'll probably see you know players like you know salamakers coming into this or lay or guys with speed that try to take advantage on the counter uh, when when they lose lose the ball. So it's gonna be a chess match, I think. Um, a lot of difficult you know going for loose balls, and it's gonna be ultimately like a, a very, very close game. I don't see more than three goals in this game. I don't well,
0: i I interestingly enough, um at least the last three times this fixture has been at the San Paulo, there has been at least three goals. Um, you know, so I, I expect scoring, um, you know, the, the convention is the conventional wisdom is that with no, else, I mean, the is going to start up front for Napoli. And I don't think that's the case. The last time yep. these guys played at the San Paolo in Napoli in July, they went with, uh, a little, Mertens, a little. Is, Mer- oh, is the Merchants. false nine. Meritans is the false nine. They played Insignia, the 11th, and Callion to the right. I think you're going to see the same thing. Only it's Lozano instead of, uh, uh, Calihon of course, or it could even be Politano. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would yeah. probably, I, given the form, I would say Lozano would probably be the guy. Um, and in that game, it was a 2-2 draw between Napoli and Milan, but Napoli dominated the game. They dominated the chances. They outshot Milan 17-5. to Mm -hmm. Um, so everything was to Napoli's advantage in that game and Milan found the way to win. I, I don't think this is an Ebra game, uh, you know, for those reasons, I think that it's, it's going to be an issue for him against Koulibaly. Um, you know, I think that the keys here are, you know, can Milan stay connected and not get pulled apart? from what Napoli is going to throw at them going forward. And this is going to be, this is going to mean Alessio Romagnoli. Okay. You've had a couple of duds. It's time to step up now. Okay. It is a very critical game for him. It's a very critical game defensively for Teo Hernandez for everything that he can do going forward. Defensively, he's been a liability. He's getting yellow cards. Now he's missing tackles. Um, Ashraf Hakimi ran him into the ground in the Derby. Um, you know, so that's an issue. Um, and then the double pivot of Beneser and Kessie. They're going to have to step up and they're going to have to play a big game. Beneser is going to probably mark somebody. That's what Pioli seems to have him doing. Um, we'll see early on who he's going to be shadowing in certain situations where Kessie's got a little bit more freedom, you know, where he maybe supports the ball defensively and, and, and things like that. But it's going to come down to the wide guys in the attack on the counter. I don't think Leal's fit. I think there's an issue with him and that he's His not yeah, he's out. Yeah, yeah not having his speed is going to be an issue. So you've got to rely now on the skill of Anante Rebic, probably on that left-hand side. And you've got to call on Alexis Salamakras to all of a sudden really grow up. He has come along very, very well since joining Milan, coming in at a bargain. You know, the worry for me is that this game might be just a bit too big for him. Hey, uh, if Mr. Uh, 7.5 million wants to earn it, he made her show up in this game. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And that's the exactly that's what it brings me to Chalunolo. If he wants to get seven and a half, if he's worth seven and a half million a year, he better damn well prove it in this game for Milan to have a chance. That said, uh, Gattuso has not beaten Milan yet since he joined Napoli. This will be the first time he does it. Um, you know, Milan have not lost to Napoli since they blew the two-nil lead um, at the San Paolo back in August of 18. Where Napoli recovered and won 3-2. It just happened. Gattuso was manager of Milan <laughs> in that game as well. Uh, but I think that Gattuso gets his first win against his former team. I'm going to say that Napoli win this two one, and uh, I hope I'm wrong as a Milan supporter. But I'm I'm giving Napoli the win. Who
2: are you? Are you channeling your inner Alex Dono here
0: and, and going anti Milan here? What's going on? <laughs> the seat oh, okay. is getting the seat is getting to me. <laughs> oh boy. The seat yeah. is getting to me. So yeah. we're, uh, we're we're we you, you guys like score draws, uh, you know, to one some one extent. I, yeah. I I think the Napoli are going to go on and win the game, and uh, I'll be glad to be wrong, and I'll be glad to have me on Twitter come after me for it. So, but that'll do it uh, for the uh, Calcio Connection. Uh, we uh, Jerry, we enjoyed being in your company, and we enjoyed uh, uh, taking over the program here. Um, where do we go from here? Should we uh, should we shameless plug? Yeah, absolutely. I
1: actually before we shameless plug, I just wanna give a just uh to Michael Lisi who uh reached out to me tonight and uh he has COVID nineteen and he's one of the uh biggest uh yeah. cultural supporters for for both of us and for many others and I yeah. just I wish him a, a speedy recovery and I hope he gets very well and, and fights this uh this this virus and things get better for him uh that's that's all i can say Uh, he's a very good guy and a good guy for both of our shows we've known him for a while you guys know him much longer than i have and super nice guy and i want you wish the best in it
0: get better lacy yeah yeah. get better lacy hang in there brother um yeah uh richard uh plug away
2: Sure. Uh, first, I'm going to plug away that, um, you know, just so we're all in agree. all three of us in agreement here that, you know, Caicedo is a better player than Immobile. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, as always, you can follow me anywhere at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N and uh, give our YouTube page a follow uh, we try to put videos, not only of our podcast, but other videos as well. So give that a follow. Caicedo, uh, Forza Caicedo.
0: Well, the, the, the page, the, the YouTube channel is Seria Sit Down. It's not, not Forza Caicedo. I don't, you can find that's probably out there. Who knows? Maybe I we made could it. Start that up. We could have like uh, Jerry's face as <laughs> <is> the logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're hilarious. I'm at FTC underscore uh, 21 on Twitter. Um, and then we're at Seria Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you know, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seria Sit Down. And then, uh, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on uh, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, you know, wherever you hear podcasts, you can you can hear sit, yeah, sit down. So uh, uh, we would appreciate the listener listenership. Uh, as for uh, Jerry Calcio Connection, uh, you guys are on Apple Podcasts. And, uh, you know, I'll put on my Alex Dono hat here. I, I don't have the out-of-control beard. Uh, but <laughs> we'll say, um, uh, you know, please subscribe. Uh, please give it a five-star rating uh these guys jerry and alex do excellent work um you know if you're not listening to the city i sit down i hope you're listening to Culture connection so Absolutely. uh jerry Absolutely. take it away with the rest um yeah you can follow me at
1: jmancini8 uh got some work for world football index been writing a lot of articles other than that uh culture connection pod with alex and that's about it at the moment
0: also, I can, I can be heard uh, on Alex's radio program, Man of the Match uh, at Onside Radio, uh, so do check out his uh, programming there. He's on Monday through Friday from 1 to 5 Eastern. Uh, I usually do a spot every Friday at 2 o'clock Eastern, so uh, we uh, break down City. Uh, he had a Milwaukee Bucks question for me uh, this go-around, which... Uh, I think I competently answered. <laughs> so, uh, But, uh, you know, check that out. Talked about uh, Azuri, talked about the upcoming Euros, who's the favorites, and uh, lots of good stuff in the uh, 15 minutes that we uh, chatted today. So, well, that's it. I think, uh, you know, Jerry, thank you for uh, letting us uh, come in and take over the podcast. And <laughs> Hostile Alex, over. Alex, we're going to give it back to you.
1: It's all yours. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll definitely be bringing you back on. But we'll do a recap
0: of the Napoli game. Yep, excited. And, uh, and Richard and I will be back on Serie A sit-down, I believe. We're going to try to do this again on Tuesday?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: Excellent. So we'll be live on the YouTube channel Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So uh, if, you're not, uh, if you don't have anything going on, be sure to join us at that time. We'll break down uh, Napoli, Milan, everything else. Get you ready uh, for Champions and Europa League as well. So uh, for Jerry, Richard, I'm Frank. This has been Calcio Connection. Ciao.